Can't tell you what a thrill it is to be here with Rick Nielsen, lead guitar player of Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick have a new record out now called Bang Zoom Crazy Hello. Hello. And you know what? It feels, Rick, it feels like time has stood still when I heard this record. I, I imagine myself in my bedroom and in my car cranking Cheap Trick all over again. Um, this music is timeless. What time is it? <laughs> yes, I agree. It's, it's, a, it's a good uh, good album. Yes. And we've been making records for a, for a few years. It's like pretty cool that we're still doing it and enjoying it. And we don't sound like we've been around for a hundred years. No, no, you don't sound like you've been around for a hundred years. This, like, as I said, I look like I have been. <laughs> hey, you want to pick up this microphone? Oh let's, let's no. Do, let's do it this but way. No, let's do it this I way. I will. So listen, he's got to picking up couches. It's, it's been, ready to throw you out. <laughs> you can throw me out. It's okay. So why a new album now? It's been a few years. Uh, we have songs we wanted to record. We always do. We had an abundance of songs. In the past five years, we had a lawsuit, changed members, yeah. changed uh, agencies, changed management. Uh, like I said, lawsuits, a lot of lawyer bills. But we continued okay. to play the whole time, and we recorded. And we had no idea about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That was all after we were working on the record because we didn't you know I always tell people if we had to wait for a hit single to have a, a go touring and we never would tour yeah you know? we, you know, it's like, we just tour that's what we do we play you know and when we're not playing we, we take our money and, and pay for our own records yeah touring you're non-stop touring like what like 150 shows coming up I read is that it <laughs> You just go, where are we going next? Is that the way it works? We love to play. You know, the the traveling kind of beats you up, but the the playing doesn't. Unless you're trying to do, you know, two or three shows a day or something like that, which we don't. But we'll fly across country, that's even worse. But, but, you know, we've done it for so long, that's that's what we do. And we play big places, we play small places, we play corporate shows, we play bars, we just played a, 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 a birthday party. Really? We played uh, Mike McCready's birthday party. Oh, wow. He flew us out. Uh, his wife actually gave him a <laughs> surprise. You know, we're his, like his favorite band. It's like, what do you want for your 50th birthday? Well, have sex with you, honey, and uh, <laughs> and have cheap trick play for me. Probably in that order, too. Wow. <laughs> well, that's Luckily, he didn't want to have sex with us. <laughs> but you know, he's a fan, so it's like... Um, it's an honor. We we did another birthday a few years before for uh, Joe Perry. Yeah, he wanted to have us for his birthday party. He can afford us, you know. So, so we flew from uh, Florida up to Massachusetts, and he wrote the set list. Same with McCready. He really, you let list. somebody else write the set list? It's his birthday. You can do whatever he wants, <laughs> as long as he didn't want me to come out of a cake naked. You know. <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. Oh no, no, that's going to be on the writer. I want that next time. <laughs> Um, you still love playing. That's that's it for Cheap Trick, right? Uh-huh. Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you brought it up. All right, let's talk about it. What was that like, you know? It was, like, the coolest. Yeah. Uh, you know, we never thought we'd get voted for, in, or, you know, on the ballot. Uh, we were eligible about 15 years ago. Yeah. And we didn't get it, but, you know, when we started, there was no Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There was... You know, baseball Hall of Fame, football Hall of Fame. You know, there was no rock and roll Hall of Fame. You know, playing music to me was the rock and roll Hall of Fame. I've 
I played with Bo Diddley, Del Shannon, Freddie Cannon, Shirelles, Chuck Berry, uh, Hall and Oates, Aerosmith, Motley Crue, Gene Simmons, and Cheap Trick, and I played with uh, you know John Lennon, you know. <laughs> Uh, name, you know, yeah. I can't name any crummy people that I worked with. I, so I only was lucky enough to accept and uh, and work with great people besides Cheap Trick. And I've enjoyed it like mad. And I'm not a studio musician by any stretch. I can't play the same thing twice. You know, here, let's play this a real straight. Here, one, we'll check the music. <laughs> Hire somebody else for that. Really? <laughs> When you, when you miss when you mention all those names, it really should come as no surprise that you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What do you think about that whole business about the Hall? Are you okay with that? What's the whole business? Well, some people just think, uh, the hell with the Hall of Fame. You Are know you kidding I mean? me? It was a, it's an honor to be invited, and it's like, I think the people that uh, get, you know, here, let me, hold on a second here. Sure. I'm going to read you what I wrote last night. Look, at Pat Smear. Got one from him right here. Great. Uh, We're going to talk about the Foo Fighters in a few minutes here. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. No, I actually want to talk I'm about what it's like when, uh, when Dave Grohl called you up to be part of that whole yeah. Sound City okay, thing. here's... Because I was, you know, supposed to say something. We didn't know... Steve, Steve Miller's a smart guy. Right. I like him. I've known him for a long time. Not really close or whatever, but it's like... He can say what he wants, you know. Yep. NWA said what they want, so why can't he? Yeah. Or me? And I said, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2016. What an honor. What a memory. What an event. What an incredible night. We are honored to now be included members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2016 and now forever. Seeing firsthand how some of the other artists felt and dealt with their musical, personal, and personnel obstacles. I'm really proud we were able to put our differences aside for an evening and truly honor the legacy we've worked so hard to create and maintain. Rick Nielsen. That's great. Wow. There you go. I heard something. You know, or, or, I, I, people, it, you can bitch about stuff. It's like, you know, maybe you should have bitched about it before. You know, I, I've never heard anybody, the Sex Pistols weren't talking yeah. about the, you know, like the same stuff that, that Steve talked about and I, I respect him for whatever he wants to say and you know I said in my own way I said uh, I'd like to thank the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for charging so much that I didn't have to bring all nine of my grandkids yeah I saw I was, you know, how much were they charging uh, for the for the the seats where we sat in they were $10,000 a seat we didn't buy I mean they, they give you one for your, yourself and one for your spouse okay and uh, the best seats past that are Five hundred dollars a piece. So you know, so I spent five grand for you know. There's a couple, two or three that would probably understand it. The other is just like, hey, we're grumpy. You know, we're, you know, how come? Why is he? What are these other people? You know, you know, it's like, but having the family there would have been terrific and great. But I didn't whine about it. It's like that's the way they do it. And it's just like, you know, I don't write the rules for anything. How come you're not more popular? How come, you know, people... What took you so long? It's like, I don't care. I'm the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's like, I didn't expect it, and I don't... I didn't... I won't say I deserved it or whatever, but I wasn't expecting it, and I'm grateful for it. And it's like, 
exactly what I wrote there. What I like about you, Rick, is that Cheap Trick doesn't really need to be in the Hall of Fame. You're proving it the next night on stage. And there that's you really what it's well, all that's, about. That's, that's what was it saying. That's what Kid Rock said. Did you hear what he said? No, I missed that. Oh, you, you it's not on HBO yet, so. Well, you look it up. You can look, uh, look it up and uh, read it, because if you read it, it's like, he was hilarious. And we had no idea what he was going to say. Yeah. He didn't, nobody consulted us before. He says, these guys, and if you don't believe these guys, the hardest working band, this, that, the other, these crazy fucks got three more shows this week. <laughs> you know? Really? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it. yeah, it's like, yeah, we do. And here I'm at, you know, I started at 7 a.m. this morning. Yeah. We were in New York yesterday, flew here, and tomorrow I do the same thing. As soon as I'm done, I get rushed to the airport. We're in Chicago for one day, and I got stuff that has to get done. Then the next day, I fly to L.A., and we're doing the uh, Long Beach Grand Prix. Yeah. Then the next day, we're doing a benefit with John Barbados, so I think it's going to be uh, 200 people. So the thing we did... Nine years ago, we were on one of them. After that, you know, we did an ad campaign with John. Then the next day, we're doing a recording for some TV show or whatever. And Sunday night, we recorded a different show. And Saturday night, the only night I had off, I had a little Stevie, you know, Stevie yeah. Van Zandt called me up and he said, says, uh, hey, uh, yeah, yeah. I know it's your day off, but would you want to stop here? And there's, there's Emmy and I never hear this. Little Richard. Oh, but, wow. But he said, uh, you come over I'm doing this benefit a cancer benefit would you stop over it's like of course I would you know I said well I'll play but it's got to be early <laughs> really I dictate I'm happy to do stuff it's like you know it's got someone has to be on my own terms I also did that with uh, with Pearl Jam I did a show then they asked me to play with them in Milwaukee and Rick oh we like it you know they do that you guys do a four hour show forget it I'm not going to wait till the end. I said, I'll play with you if you do it early. But six song, the sixth song, I did a Who song with him and left. I had stuff to do. Listen, it's been there, next year. There's next my wife and, and little Stevie. Beautiful. Wow. Know him? Oh, that's uh, Robbie what? Calvanella. Uh -huh. Okay, now I'm going to ask. See, I was going to ask you about this show. Or there's Bo Deedle. You know, you know, you know. Oh. As I was leaving, he said, Right. Um, shoot a picture with me? Nah. <laughs> that, yeah, that, the mob would rub me out, you know? Uh, that's funny. 40 years is the anniversary of your first album last year, and you guys are busier than ever be. 1977 was Cheap Tricks' first record. Whatever. Whatever, right? Yeah, and you know what's good to hear that. So, listen, oh, well, we, we, we got a picture here with the star of the HBO series, Vinyl. What do you think yeah. about that show? Have you seen it? I, I lived it, so I was like, "Yeah, it's, I a, it's a little deceiving." Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah. you know, it's a drama. It's make believe. A yeah, little I, bit. I, I honestly haven't seen it from start to finish to okay. know what's going on. And uh, okay, let me I'm just ask you know, the fact that the fact that there's a hard rock cafe in every major city. Yeah. That's because of Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Chuck Berry. Rick Nielsen, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. You know, it's like people like what we do. Yeah. Maybe not all of it, but you know, it's like it's here's I just got this today. So a friend of ours went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today. Yeah. Here's Cleveland. There's my guitar. It's just got put on display. Here's my clothes. Fantastic. With, eh? the, with my crotch showing, you know. I tell our listeners that it's worth a trip to Cleveland to see it. Okay, that's the five neck guitar. Yeah. How heavy is that? About forty pounds. 
And I used to be two inches taller. Did you ever play all five oh, in one performance? Put, yeah. Yeah, I, again, I don't want to say, don't, don't want to discredit you. Okay. Just wonder if it's all for show, or is it? Oh just no, like... I, it has to work. Otherwise, I didn't want it. Oh wow! How stupid is that? Huh? How, how many guitars do you have? How many do you want? <laughs> Make up the number. No. Okay. L never mind how many you have. What is the prize position? What is the guitar? Well, that, you know, I have, I have my, I have my, uh, my fifty-five Gibson Les Paul gold top that I bought in 1965. So it was ten years old then. I paid sixty-five dollars for it. It was the first last pull I bought, nineteen sixty-five. So, add that up. I mean, I uh, maybe sixteen, fifteen, wow. fifteen is my first last pull. I mean, I had some other guitars before that, but I didn't even know. You know, I'd never seen a last pull before. That I started out playing drums, so it's like I was into really drums. Yeah, you were a drummer first. I was a drummer first. I took lessons. Uh, Rather than going through this, so I have pictures of when I was nine years old. I took lessons from a, a drum instructor, or drum. He was actually the rudiment king of of the world on Ludwig Records. Look it up, Frank Arsenault. He was okay. the rudiment king, and on the front of my album, Richard, rudimentally years, Frank Arsenault. I was nine years old, so that's why I would. I love the drums. I was Sandy Nelson. I love now I can't even play the drums, but I, I have about six or seven kids. So when did you pick up the guitar? I picked it up because the the guitar players that I was working with, my, my parents were opera singers. So okay. I always had a good ear for yeah. the right note. Okay. And, and my father's had come from this. In the fourth song, when I was out in the room with him, he played, he played some wrong notes. And I knew it. In the, and so after the show, I was a seven-year-old wise-ass. Hey Jim, in the fourth song, about one minute in, you hit the wrong chord in there, and it's like this guy would get so flustered, you know, because I was right. Being right doesn't mean good, <laughs> but I was right. And so, like when I started playing with other people, here's how this song goes. I listen, even though I didn't know how to play, I could tell a right number from a wrong number. Yeah. So I get off the drums and here, let me figure. Here's what you should play. And then go back and front foot. A little later, another wrong. I get off and see. I said, before you know it, I said, we can find some other idiot that can count to four. That's all a drummer does. One, two, three, four, start over. One, two, three, four, start over. One, two, three. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, if you're a drummer, tough. <laughs> but I was good. You know, I, was, I knew what I was, that stuff. And now I can't play it at all. I was more of a Buddy Rich, uh, Sandy Nelson kind of Gene Krupuk kind of guy because yeah. that was before the Beatles when I was you know that was 1950 would have been 50, uh, 58 yeah. it was before I was 10 years old it was, uh, it was, so I was 9 so 1958 I mean that's you know I mean 5 to 7 years before the Beatles and all that stuff but then when so then when I started bands when I was in junior high school yeah I was always the best player, even though I didn't know what I was doing. I'm self-taught, and my my parents were, you know, theory, the whole thing, and yeah. master's degrees and all that stuff. But it was just not my music, and so I just I loved the guitar, and I loved the I loved I loved drums too. Like I said, I, I can play a drum machine pretty well. 
at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, thing. I didn't read Kid Rock's speech to you, but I did read the comments that you had, and you did thank your children, and you thank George Martin, and you mentioned the Beatles, and a lot of people, there's a there's a connection between the Beatles and Cheap Trick. And well, I'm we not worked sure exactly with George Martin. You did work with them, eh? Yeah, we did. Uh, all shook up. Was the album. And, you know, George liked us. Yeah. And I've got signatures in here from the book he wrote. Uh, I can't remember what the name was. All you need is ears or something like that. The inside is Rick. A great, uh, a superb musician or something. How come you're so nice? He liked me. and We remained friends until the end and stuff like that. Getting the, the charts from him from uh, Sergeant Pepper. I went to his house in England, cooked for me and all that wow. stuff. And uh, when we worked with him, uh, he, you know, he, he was like a gentleman. He was a great guy. Not just, you know, he, he's a Beatle person. It's like, he never talked like that. You know, it's like, and I never really asked him questions. When I worked with Jeff Emmerich, too, his engineer. Yeah. Jeff would talk about it quite a bit. He said, you know, it's the proudest, it means so much to so many other people. I was like, I don't know how you know, I didn't like everything the Beatles did, but I loved, when I worked with George, he was like a true gentleman, and he had great ideas. I mean, he was, he really did a lot for the Beatles, you know, more so than, you know, like, as they moved along, you know, he was excellent, he was, and you could sing to him, and he could write it as you're doing his melody. And when we worked with him, we got George and Jeff. Here's a tribute to us or whatever. We had him come to Madison, Wisconsin in February. with snow this deep to come and do pre-production for us. Madison, Wisconsin at uh, Full Compass Studio. What? <laughs> That's George frickin' Martin. And then, um, I don't know what year it was, 90-something. He, he came to the U.S. and did uh, the making of Sergeant Pepper, and he went to a bunch of different cities. In Chicago, he asked me, and I was his interpreter. Well, because he was hard to hear, I'm hard to hear him, he was worse. Yeah. And so, he'd get these questions, and he'd talk, and he was, you know, he brilliant guy, and it's like, of course, a couple of times I gave him the wrong question, just because something I wanted to know. <laughs> but it was like, you know, it was that kind of friendship, where it was like, I get a Christmas card from him every year, he's like, Handwritten to Rick, you know, but towards the end, it's like his, his writing was handwriting was just as shitty as mine is. But it was like, it was like we were in a different era, but it was like, you know, like I said, the, the fact that I've got other letters from him that he wrote, but it's like, oh, um, you have the new album, yeah? Do you see what I wrote in there? Uh, not specifically, no. Read that. I don't have my glasses on. Look at this. This it says, is. It says, Sir uh, Let's see. Read that. It was a piece that. We thank you, Sir George Martin. In 1980, whilst we recorded, he spoke and quoted, I'm wishing to live longer. Aided by, by the, the supreme truth. healing force of music. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite an addiction, those vinyl productions. Uh, you know, I wrote it for him because we wanted to have a speaking part on a song called. Uh, uh, well, it's on the record. I can't okay. remember what it is. I should know, but I can remember everything except stuff about myself. 
And so, and he wrote it because I was like, I want to have a part in it. I was like, you know, I have Midwest nasal twang. You know, I sound like, you know, Popeye or something. But he has a sophisticated voice. And George, will you do this in there? And I have it written, you know, full sheet like this. And my handwriting's so poor that he wrote it on a little piece like this so he could read it to do. And it's like, and it talks about the healing force of music and what it means to him. And he was willing to do that for me. And it, it, it's too hard to explain. I don't like really talking about myself. Oh, I did this and I did this. Yeah. I've been lucky that I've gotten to do a lot of different things. Not because I'm that cool or great. It's because, I don't know. It's like, a, you know, there's a lot of opportunities that I've not that I've was offered that didn't get done. I was supposed to do a record with uh, with uh, David Bowie. He was going to produce one side. I was producing the other for Ringo. Wow. I'm sure. I said, Bowie, he probably couldn't handle a full record by him, and I'm sure I couldn't either, you know. But doing it half and half. But it didn't happen. And when we worked with John Lennon, it was like, uh, he liked what we did on Double Fantasy record. He said, he won't, we were going to be do his whole next album with him as his band, as opposed to what's on the album. If you listen to the album, it sounds like a, a lounge record. Yes, it does. And if you ever heard my our version of Losing You on there? No, I haven't. It's, it's on, I, think it's, I think it's called Once Upon a Time, John Lennon, or something like that. It has the original version of that, where I played. And I was taking a guitar shop, and it's like all this stuff, and, and I gave him a guitar, and I got it back three years after he was emerging from Yoko. Because they said, nobody tells John Lennon what to do. I said, well, he can't fire me. But I said, John, you need a, you need a better guitar. Because he pulled out a Bolano. It's just like, I'm your, fr- I'm, you know, nobody tells you this stuff. You tell them what to do. You're going to go guitar shopping with me. Okay. And, and about the, the Colbert report, did we talk about that? No, we haven't talked okay, about Colbert. Well, well when we did that. Stephen Colbert called and he said, you know what, my characters, I like the old posters, Uncle Sam, I want you, you know, I yeah, said, yeah. and he says, my characters, I want you to want me, you know, like, I said, well, I wrote that, so I said, I want you to, so the, his songs, it's backwards of what I had done, and, and, and Rob and I, we do this, we call it baby voices, so, we were going to do that with John Lennon too, and on the Colbert thing, it's like if you get the credits for it, it's called Baby Mumbles. <laughs> so there's there's a little true story about stuff like it. So certain things didn't happen. I got my guitar back from Yoko three years after you know his murder, and I got that back. But if you go to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's a guitar there, a Hamer that I had made for him, that's there that I gave to him. At least he was getting a decent guitar and said that shitty Bellino with the strings are all rusty. Let's talk about There you go, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm about at it. All Keep right. going. Ask quick. So, quick. Um, okay, a couple of fan questions. Why Budokan? Why did you guys go to Budokan? Because they loved us in Japan. That's it. And we, you know, it, was we, it wasn't Cheap Trick in New York. It wasn't Cheap Trick in LA. It was no. Cheap Trick in Budokan. <laughs> the only place they liked us enough to, to fill a 10,000 seat place. And we, we didn't know. It's like we're, they liked our music. We had a, we had two hit, we had two number one songs there. We had Clock Strikes Ten, 
and I Want You to Want Me, were hits from the studio records. And and they just, actually what happened, 1977, Queen had heard our first record before it came out. And they were going to tour in the U.S., and Thin Lizzy was their opening act, and they weren't coming over for a while. So they asked us if, if we would do the first two shows, Milwaukee and Madison. And the Japanese press were there to see Queen, you know, not to see us, you know, nobody knew us. And uh, so we opened for them, and the Japanese press, they liked us. You know, usually, how's the opening act? You know. And then the next night, we played in Madison, same thing, Japanese press. Um, we liked this cheap trick. Uh, would you write a, what it's like to tour with kids, or uh, with Queen? So I wrote a, a two-page article for Ngung Senka or Music Life, and right after that, you know, I don't even know what I said. You know, it's like it, we started getting caricatures of ourselves. You know, because we look, Queen are definite characters. And, you know, we were. I never wanted to be Keith Richards, although I, you know, never even looked like him or Jimmy Page and like everybody else. I always wanted to be somebody else. I never wanted to be anybody else. I didn't want to be me, but I didn't want to be somebody else. <laughs> And so then we started getting fan mail. And then we went out later that same year in 77 with Kiss. Press was there to see Kiss, not us. Yeah. And they liked us, and then we stayed, before you knew it, in the 77, we had, were getting fan mail like by the, you know, by the bushel load. And we, you know, we were so young and naive, we started, we answered it. <laughs> Sent back a, you know, uh, you know, autograph or whatever. Before you know it, in 78, we got asked to go over. Because we played, it was April and May of 1978. Yeah. And we had such a big fan club, we were doing a TV show for Japanese fans. That's yeah. what it was. So we recorded, we went back to the United States, and uh, Jack and Bunny and myself uh, mixed half the, the stuff. We didn't, it was like, it was, there was trouble with the bass drum, so it was like too much trouble to do the whole thing. So we only all you did one half of the thing. And in the wisdom of ourselves, our management, our record company, they released you know, Budokan 2 about 25 years later. Yes, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> okay, Final here question. I'm signing this. Okay. Yep. And, and tell me about your experience with Dave Grohl and the whole Sound City project. You know, Dave, I love Dave because Dave has such respect for the craft of making music. What was your yeah. experience? He, I, I've sent many things to him. I was like, Dave, you're one of the few guys that gets it. Yes. He understands. He yes. gets it. He gets the history. He gets the Today Show. He gets the thinking of the future. He gets a lot of stuff. And that's why he didn't. he's never rested on his laurels. Interesting know, point. You know, it, it actually, when we were, needed a replacement drummer 15 years ago, when Money had his back operated on, Dax actually ended up playing with us three months on Aerosmith and Meatloaf tours and stuff like that. Yeah. And then he went on to play with Dick Dale and other stuff, Randy Carlisle. And I was asking Dave Grohl, Tommy Lee, and Chad Smith. But they all had these other jobs. I mean, they, they're all fans, so they all would have done it. But it's like, we don't need somebody to, you know, like, you know, nobody's watching us. <laughs> and we wanted to, you know, it's like, they all had their other jobs, and so they all would have done it, but only temporary. So we didn't, you know, we didn't have any long-term plans of who to use or why to use them or whatever. Sure. 
So, but Dave, I love him. I wish I lived in L.A. at least that one time because if you watch those movies, yeah, all those neighbors here, like Tom Petty, all these guys that live, you know, next door. I lived in Rockford. I even had to fly out. Okay, I got to get the plane back. So you know, I'm not. I'm on the movie about 30 seconds. Yeah, but he asked me uh, when we were doing the uh, Sonic Highways, Rick, uh, where were you recording in Chicago? I said, well, the best place is Steve Albini's place, Electrical Audio. My son yeah. Miles helped build that studio. I love Steve. We redid In Color, recorded that with him. He's great. One day I get a phone call. Hey, Rick, we're in Chicago. I wonder where they're at. Yep, Electrical Audio. <laughs> went there. And I went in, and it was like, uh, then I played on the song. And uh, it was it was a snow. It was like this deep. It was like one of the worst days ever. And, and you know, I get I drive seventy five miles away from where I live. I go in there and it's like at the end of the night or the end of the day. Oh, we're doing a video tomorrow. Can you come in here? I said, tell me, I bring some freaking underwear. <laughs> oh, we, we remain. You know, you just sent me something. Uh, and you did your magic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I don't, you know, he gets it. He understands the whole thing. It's like, you know, if I expect him to call me or hang out, you know, it's like, he's got way more on his plate than I do. <laughs> and I, I envy him, but but not really. I don't envy him. I just like, but he he gets it. But he's he's in charge. You're uh, you're very similar. Both of you don't seem to know when to stop. Oh, shut up. Except for that. Uh, here. here. Go away. Because I am. All right, my pleasure. You're a good man. Thank you. Look, that, look up the stuff I mentioned. I will. Well, thank you very much. We shut up.